Hey church, do you feel like we're missing something? I do, and I think we all do. After an overwhelming year of fear concerning COVID-19, a political news environment that's toxic, and racial tensions that still need healing, so many of us just want it to get better. And I, for one, really want to reclaim my life. I want to reclaim the feeling that nothing's missing and nothing's broken. I want to reclaim civility in our national discourse. I, I want to reclaim our love for all people regardless of their history, their heritage, or the color of their skin. I also believe that the only way to reclaim our lives is to reclaim our faith. Our faith in God is the compass that will guide us back to the life we're looking for. Our faith in God is what changes everything for the better. So if you're ready to break this cycle and reclaim your life in faith, join me in person. That's right, I'm preaching live this Father's Day, June 20th, as we begin to reclaim our faith together. Now today, we're honored to have one of my closest friends sharing God's Word with you. It's our first time to have Pastor Rich Mongavin preaching here at One Hope. Rich and his wife Jackie lead Anthem Church in Durban, South Africa, and also lead the Domino Foundation that serves, feeds, and ministers to those in need. He was supposed to be here last year in person, but with all the travel restrictions being a challenge, I wanted you still to hear from him because they're one of our dear missions partners. I also believe you'll be encouraged by his passion for Jesus. So open your hearts wide for Pastor Rich Mungavin. Hello, One Hope Church. We are Richard and Jackie Mungavin, and we live in Durban, South Africa. I'm not sure if you know where that is, but uh, on the other end of the world to you. And we are so grateful that today we get to share in the day with you as you enjoy your services as One Hope Church. We lead a church called Anthem, which is based in the city of Durban. It's 120 years old. She is beautiful. She is still counting for Jesus. And we count it an absolute privilege to play the role we do as the lead pastors here. Yeah, we so wish that we could be with you in person today. Uh, we love Josh and Amber mm -hmm. and they have been with us in Durban. This is our family and our home and they've been here and met all of them and we've enjoyed some fun time together. And so one day, hopefully soon, we will get to meet you in person as well. We're so grateful for partnership. Uh, the Domino Foundation is an organization that we run out of Anthem that works into poverty-stricken areas. It just helps with those uh, that have found themselves in an orphan state. Uh, it helps with education where there's very little taking place. It helps in the anti-human trafficking environment. And it's a great privilege to be able to be involved in this work. But you, One Hope, have partnered with us. And we are so grateful. At the end of last year, you were able to give a financial gift towards the work. And so we are grateful that across the seas, we can be in a bigger story than what our own local community looks like. Yeah, we are so grateful. And now I'm going to hand over to Rich. And he's going to be sharing the Word of God with you today. And seeing as you don't know him, I thought I would take a few seconds just to let you know that as his wife, I can commend him to you. I can promise you that he is a man that will lay down his life for his own bride. But not only that, he is a man who I know would lay down his life, his name for the sake of the bride, for the sake of the church of Jesus. And so you can trust him today as he serves you in this capacity. And again, until we meet face to face, we love you and we look forward to that day. Let's dive into the scriptures together. Well, One Hope, I have been so looking forward to this day when I can come to be with you and uh, just to share a word that's on my heart for you guys. 
Uh, as Jackson and I uh, have just already been able to say, we love your pastors, Josh and Amber. We love One Hope and we love partnering in the gospel together. And so today, just what uh, I wanted to come and encourage you with and inspire you and uh, maybe in one or two areas, help reshape or reorientate what we think about the gospel and how we respond to it. Uh, so my title today is this, Cause and Effect. Cause and Effect. I want to start with a story. In World War II, uh, when the U.S. Uh, were fighting against Japan, and as the war started to turn in the U.S.'s favor, there was a Japanese warrior called Shukoi Yokoi, and uh, he was on the island of Guam. And uh, as he heard that it was turning, as the tide was turning, he feared becoming a prisoner of war. And so he took himself off and uh, lived in a cave. What happened was the war ended, to cut a long story short, and uh, the U.S. very kindly dropped pamphlets from the sky as the aircraft flew over in order to let the Japanese uh, people know that there would be no more prisoners of war. The war was over. They were free to come out. Shokoi Yokoi did not believe the pamphlet, and he remained hidden in a cave in the jungle of Guam in Japan. What happened was 28 years after he first went into that cave, some hunters were there and they stumbled across the cave and they found him. And the story goes like this, that they managed to convince him that he truly was free, that the word that he had read 25 years prior was true. For 28 years, this man, for fear of being a prisoner, lived on rats and mice and frogs, lived in a cave and only came out, only came out in the dark. What had transpired was this man was not held captive or in prison in brick walls and iron bars, but he was held captive and held a prisoner in his own mind, 28 years in prison. We know, friends, that there are too many people that have stories similar to this Japanese. They live in trapped in a prison of fear. They live entrapped in their own minds 28 years. Maybe you who are engaging this message, maybe you find yourself in that story. Maybe it's one year old, maybe it's five years, maybe it's 28 years, maybe it's 50 years. I want to tell you today about this remarkable God that we serve through His Son, Jesus Christ. I want to tell you about cause and effect. Shokoi Yokoi, the cause was fear of being a prisoner. The effect was he was a prisoner for 28 years, only coming out in the dark. We want to reach cities. We want to reach nations with the good news of Jesus Christ. We want people to come out of the dark. We don't want them to be eating diets of rats and mice and frogs. We want them to be sitting at our king's table, lavishly feasting. We want life and freedom, the freedom that has already been offered. The, the pamphlet has been given to us. The scriptures are there for us to know Jesus Christ. And we need to help people believe, believe in this Jesus. And so cause and effect. We're going to turn to the book of Isaiah, uh, who was a prophet who spoke on behalf of God. When God wanted to get his message across to the people of Israel, he would, uh, he would speak through these prophets. And so Isaiah is one such person. And we pick up this prophecy in Isaiah 62. And what we see is God speaking to his people and then asking for a response. And so there is a cause that God pursues, and then there is an effect that when we believe these words, that that has on us. And so Isaiah chapter 62, 
Here we go. His cause. We read in verse 1. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. Isaiah 62 verse 1. And so the first thing that we see here is that God pursues us. His cause causes him to pursue us. Now, uh, I'm not sure what games you played when you were growing up. Uh, We have a game here in South Africa called Kissing Catchers. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe it's not the most holy of games. But I remember when we were young, boys and girls would play it. And uh, and the idea would be that one person was on, one person was uh, responsible for coming to catch you. And you had to run away. Otherwise, you would be kissed. Uh, And so uh, there were moments, I I, I do have to confess a little bit of my past life, there were moments when there were some very beautiful young ladies. And uh, when it was their turn to be on, I did not try very hard to run away from them. In fact, I, I tried to be caught by them. But then, as we all know, sometimes uh, one of our guy mates was on and you better make sure that you were not caught by him because that was just ugly. And so you made sure you ran away. This is the story that that kind of comes to mind when I read this. For Zion's sake, I, being God, will not keep silent. I will not be quiet. This is this is God's pursuing of us. He's running after us. And I think what we tend to do from time to time is we tend to treat him as that guy we don't want to be kissed by. And so we make every effort to not be caught by him. When in actual fact, the gospel says this, that God is beautiful. He is merciful. He is kind. That's the person we want to be caught by. And so maybe if we could just slow down just a little bit, that when he pursues us, we would allow ourselves to be caught by him. And so just in this cause and effect, we're going to be looking at three things of of God's movement towards us and his cause towards us. And then the effect that that has on us when we appropriate it correctly. But so what we see, Isaiah 62, he pursues us. I want you to know, friends, he is not keeping silent. He is not keeping quiet. Me talking to you today is one of the methods in which he does not keep quiet, telling you of his love. Uh, Your pastors, Josh and Amber, keep telling you of his love. We sing about it in our worship. He is always constantly speaking his love for us. Will we hear him today? Then we go on into 62 verse 2 and it says this, The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. I absolutely love this story. Uh, I I love this, this cause of God to rename us to give us a name. Uh, I have some friends who, who weren't friends 20 years ago. Uh, in our city in Durban, they, their names are synonymous with illegal activity. 20 years ago, they were involved in some stuff they shouldn't have been involved in. They got caught, had some prison time. Uh, there they met Jesus, I'm very glad to say. So their lives today don't look like their lives 20 years ago. But I do know this, that every time they've applied for jobs, When people read their name on the CV, they just can't seem to escape it. Right there, it's a block on their future. And so because of their past, they're unable to walk into their future. Their name is synonymous with illegal activities. 
What God says here is actually I'm going to call you by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. Not your friends who call you kind of rude nicknames. Uh, not your teachers if you're at school who maybe label you. Uh, we, we're not talking about that. We're talking about God naming us. I'm so grateful that when we come to God, He pursues us. And when He catches us, when we allow Him to catch us and kiss us, if I can use that uh, story, and He renames us, what He does is He says, actually, I can, separate you from the, I can separate you from the sin of your past. I'm separating you from the sin. Yes, there is redemption and restoration, and your story forms part of a redemptive future. But I'm no longer holding you to your past. You are renamed. And so when your name comes up on the CV, it is not associated with the illegal, the rebellion, the sin. It is associated with your future. It's associated to what I'm calling you to because I'm not keeping silent. I'm not keeping quiet. I am pursuing you and I am renaming you. He then goes on in verses 3 and 4 and he says, You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, my delight is in her. This is quite significant, friends. So God not only pursues us and renames us, He also redefines us for our future. He redefines us. He calls out the purposes of our future, the purposes for which He created us. And so we see here a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. This is a remarkable thing. So when kings and queens of old wanted to display their majesty, display their beauty, they would wear their crown of beauty. When they were sitting in a royal court, exercising their authority, they would wear the royal diadem. And so what God is saying is, you, my friend, who I've pursued and I've renamed for a future, you are the one. You are a crown of beauty. You are the one I want to show off when I want to display my splendor. You're the one that I'm wearing on my head. And when I'm sitting in the courts, you are my authority. The redemptive work I've been able to do in your life gives me credibility. You are the authority here on earth. And so what God is calling out in our future, when He redefines us, when we're no longer held captive to our sin, when we're no longer held as a prisoner of fear in the cave and the darkness, living off of rats and mice and frogs, we are able to be paraded as a crown of beauty, a symbol of beauty of heaven, as well as a symbol of the authority of heaven. So we carry both the beauty and the authority of heaven here on earth. Even as Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he goes on, he says, you shall no more be termed forsaken. Your land shall no more be termed desolate. Maybe you're watching this and you feel this way. I, I'm not quite sure what COVID has done in the business landscape, in the family landscape where you live. I know for us here, we've had 15 months of lockdown. Businesses have been lost. Families have come unstuck. Uh, there are many people who are feeling forsaken right now. There are many people who are feeling like their lives have become desolate. But this is what God says. He says, I'm not determining you. I'm not, I'm not naming you and purposing you according to what your earthly circumstance may look like. I'm calling you according to my plans and purposes of the future. You will be called my delight is in her. He is redefining how you can view yourself. 
that actually the earthly circumstances are not the dictator of how we feel, what we believe of ourselves, rather our internal belief that what God calls us and purposes us for, that has bearing on how we view our external circumstances. My delight is in her. It, it, it has this phraseology. It has this kind of meaning. Here in Africa, uh, some of you may know this uh, if you've got African roots, but uh, in the culture, in African culture, we dance for everything. We dance for everything. When we are happy, we dance. When we are joyful, we dance. When we are, uh, when we are angry, we dance. When we are sad, we dance. Dancing is the language of African culture. Uh, as a Westerner, as a white a Westerner living in Africa, I, that, it's not my common language, but I've had to learn in terms of the culture of our nation. And so God is saying, actually, my delight is in it. That's what it speaks of. I'm dancing over you. I'm dancing over you. And what he's inviting us into is maybe that's not our normal language as it's not for me. But actually, I come into the culture of our land. We come into the culture of the kingdom of God. We come into the culture of God's intention for us as he pursues us. And so this is the story of my delight is in her. My delight is in her. We are both a symbol of the beauty of heaven and the authority of heaven. And we are not dictated to by our external circumstances of forsaken and desolate. But no, our God is delighting. He's dancing over us and he's inviting us into. He's repurposing us for the kingdom, the culture of the kingdom of God. And so can we dance even in the midst of our frustration and our pain and our brokenness? Can we dance when we are happy and joyful? This is the cause of God. The cause of God. As he, uh, as he pursues us, as He renames us, as He redefines us. And so now I'm going to turn my attention and uh, what we're going to do is look at the effect. And now uh, any cause and effect only takes place, the effect only takes place if the cause is appropriated into our lives. And so I'm going to mention a couple of things now. And I think what we can do is we can benchmark how much of the cause of God we've allowed to take root in our lives. And so I'm not, uh, I hope, I really trust that this doesn't come across as a, uh, maybe you're not living uh, in the full measure of what God has for you, or maybe not measuring up. That's not my intention at all. My intention is when we can appropriate God's pursuing of us and allow him to catch us and kiss us, when we can appropriate his renaming of us, when we can appropriate his redefining of our futures, then this is the effect that takes place. And so by identifying the effect, we can actually see how much of the cause of God we've been able to receive and take in on our own, uh, on our own uh, effect. So what we see here is, uh, we've, we jump down to verses 6 and 7 of Isaiah 62, and it says this, We who put the Lord in remembrance take no rest, and give Him no rest, until He establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. Put the Lord, you who put the Lord in remembrance, that would be us who have been able to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. We've believed the pamphlet, we've believed the scriptures, we've believed the testimony that there is freedom for us on the other side of sin and rebellion and darkness and pain. And it says, take no rest. So you who remember Jesus, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem 
and makes it a praise in the earth. Give him no rest until he establishes it, establishes it and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. And so if we kind of take this into today's language, we the people of God, that he is busy forming as Jesus' bride, would we take no rest? And so I've just kind of labeled this that we would persist. If the cause of God has taken root in our lives, we become a persistent people, not giving up too easily. As uh, you heard at the beginning of the message, uh, my wife and I have seven children. And our youngest, his name is Tyden, and he's now nine years old. But maybe when he was a few years younger, we've got two girls and then five boys. I'm sure you can imagine around our dining room table, it, is, uh, it can get quite rowdy. It's, it's actually beautiful. We absolutely love it. But a smaller boy's voice can get lost in the noise and the festivities of a dining room table or the dinner that is being enjoyed. And so there were occasions when he was a bit younger where this would be the story. We would, we would only hear Tyden when he was shouting, but it would start like this. Mom. 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 Until everyone broke off what they were doing and kind of recognized that the little boy was calling out, that Tyden was calling out, and then suddenly he would get our attention. And this is what God is inviting us into, his cause. He pursues us, he redefines us, he renames us, and then we can persist. And he's saying, don't give him any rest until we are, until the people of God are the praise of the earth. I'm not sure about you uh, over in the U.S., uh, I have an idea, but certainly here in South Africa, we the people of God are not the praise of the earth. And so there is still persistent work for us to do. And God is saying, please persist. Keep calling. As Tyden would go, mom, 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 until we broke off, the, broke off everything that was going on to give attention. That's what God is saying to us. Will you cry out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We desire in righteousness to be the praise of the earth. Jesus, Jesus. Would we persist? Would we persist? I think sometimes what we do is we give up too easily, friends. We give up too easily. We, we feel like, oh, well, I've prayed that. And, uh, and God hasn't answered. He hasn't answered my prayer. He hasn't listened. I want to encourage us today that, that uh, I think we, we should listen to what God is saying. And when he's saying, please, you who remember me, don't have any rest. Keep pursuing me. Sit at the dining room table and shout out my name until there is breakthrough. Shout out my name until there is breakthrough. And so this is what we see in Isaiah chapter 62 and in 67, uh, in 6 and 7, sorry. Then we move on and uh, we start looking at Isaiah 62 verses 10 and it says this, Go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway and clear it of stones. And so just the second effect of appropriating the cause of God would be that we're a people that produce. So we persist and we produce. And so here we are to prepare way for the people. We're to build up highways and to clear it of stones. I think an image that, uh, that I have when I read this is, uh, well, I have two images. One, uh, a few years ago, I used to be involved in triathlons. And I remember in the race, sometimes a little stone would just get into the shoe. And uh, you're in a rhythm and you don't really want to stop. And you think that actually if you stop now, you don't know if your legs are going to carry on going. And so in stupidity, you carry on. And what ends up happening is that stone rubs your heel absolutely raw. 
And what the ultimate result of that is you don't finish the race because you end up having to bail out with bruised and bloody feet. Whereas if I had just stopped and cleared the stone and restarted again, maybe it would have cost me 30 seconds at the most, but I would have finished the race. I think when we don't produce, when we're not moving towards producing, what ends up happening is we don't clear the stones out of our lives, the the little foxes in the vineyard as Solomon would write in Song of Songs. And so what ends up happening is we don't complete the race. We're unable to persist because the stone has made us bloodied and bruised as opposed to just in its appropriate moment and time giving it due attention. And so may I encourage you, friends, that we are to clear it of stones. To produce a harvest is to prepare the field. And so part of producing is preparation. Clearing it of stones is one of those attributes. The second image I have is this, of of Zacchaeus. Now, you may uh, be acquainted with the, the scripture, and if not, I'll just tell the story now. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He had robbed people, uh, but he heard of this Jesus, and he was inquisitive. But the crowd was pressing in around Jesus, and he couldn't see Jesus. Uh, But in that moment, because he was a short man, the scriptures say, uh, but in that moment he found a tree and he climbed the tree and was able to see Jesus and Jesus was able to see him. And in that moment, Jesus said, Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to you and I'm coming to your house. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Who planted that seed that grew into a tree generations before that Zacchaeus could climb it one day into the future and encounter Jesus? This is what I see about producing and preparation. When we build up highways and we clear it of stones and we prepare the way for people. Would you sow seed? Would you sow the kingdom of God? And who knows, maybe you have the benefit of seeing those people come to know Jesus and accept them. But maybe it's still in generations to come that that fruit or that seed would have grown into a tree. And when the crowd is pressing in on Jesus and there is someone that is desperate to encounter him, but just seems unable to because of the crowd, there is a tree already made for them to climb. Two of the ways that we do that here at Anthem is through the Domino Foundation and through Project Exodus. We spoke a little bit about Domino Foundation uh, as Jax and I just introduced ourselves. But Project Exodus is an addiction recovery. And there are so many people caught up in addictions that want to see Jesus, but they just don't know how. And so Project Exodus is a work that we have planted. We've sown a seed that has grown up into a tree. And now people are able to climb that tree and encounter Jesus. And so in this cause and effect, I just mentioned this, that we are to produce, which is part of, uh, part of production, is preparing ground, removing stones so that we can finish the race, that others can finish the race. It's sowing seed of the kingdom of God. And that may look different for each one of you. But I also know that as a collective of one hope, it looks like something when we are able to collectively come together and fly in formation, if I can use that language, we're able to go so much further. May I encourage you, friends, to look for opportunities of clearing stones, preparing the way, raising highways. May, may you look for opportunities to sow seed that will become trees into the future that people can climb and encounter God. And then third, we point. We see in Isaiah 62 verse 10, lift up a signal over the peoples. Lift up a signal over the peoples. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you a question and uh, I trust 
that, uh, that, that you would receive it in the way that I mean it. I know when I come to read the scriptures, uh, I always allow them to ask me questions. Well, I, I, I hope to. Let me put it that way. I don't always get that right. But uh, I want the scriptures to be able to read me as opposed to me just reading the scriptures. My intention is that they would be able to minister to me, speak to me, ask me things in my life. Maybe I'm holding on to things of the past which are denying me moving forward into the redefinition that God has for my future. Uh, well, whatever it may be, but would we allow the scriptures to ask us questions? And so as we read this, lift up a signal over the peoples. Uh, this is what I would want to ask of you. That uh, when people come to find you, when they, when they take their cue off of you, where will they land up? Where will they land up? And this is what I mean. I've come to your beautiful nation on several occasions. I absolutely love the U.S. I love your can-do attitude. Uh, just absolutely do love being there. Uh, driving in Los Angeles is a little bit hairy for a uh, foreigner. But I'm so appreciative of the signs that go above the highways that point in a direction so we can know where we're going. And likewise, our lives, when the cause of God has had its place in us and there is an effect, the effect is that as people take their cue off of us, they would land with Jesus. What I do see often is that if people were to take our cue off of us, they would land in cynicism or, or being critical. Uh, they might land up in marital problems. They might land up in, uh, in, in, in politics that they shouldn't be involved in. They, they may land up in past and fears and entrapped and imprisoned in their own caves of brokenness and pain and darkness. But the desire of God is that as His cause, as He pursues us, as He renames us, as He redefines us, one of the effects is that we would be able to point people to Jesus. We would be able to point people in the way that they should go. That if they take their cue, that's where they will land in the freedom that Jesus Christ has to offer. The beauty of both this cause and the effect, when it's working well, uh, we always know that God's side is always working well. It's our response to Him. The outcome is this. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called, sought out, a city not forsaken. I absolutely love this. Can you imagine the people of God being the sought out ones? The people of God being the sought out ones. Imagine that politics would turn to the church to find the solution. Imagine education would turn to the church to find the solution. Imagine that uh, uh, parental and marital issues, family issues would turn to the church. Imagine all of society seeking out the wisdom, the beauty and the authority of heaven, the crown of beauty and the royal diadem. Uh, imagine that, the wisdom of heaven being sought out. That is what happens when the cause and the effect work hand in hand. That's what happens when we receive, when we embrace Jesus Christ. We become the sought out ones. I know, One Hope Church, that you are a sought out people. I love what you get up to, what I get to see on social media and what I get to hear from your pastor, Josh. I am inspired by your story. Maybe you're there in the auditorium today for the first time or engaging online for the first time because you are seeking out faith and you've heard that One Hope is a community that you can do that in. That is a true story. Even though I'm across the seas, I want to tell you One Hope is a safe place. One Hope is a place that you can explore your walk towards God. And so with that in mind, 
If you have never made a decision to put your trust in Jesus, if you've never made a decision to believe what the Word of God says, if I can tie it back to Shukoi Yukoi, when the planes flew over and dropped pamphlets to say you are free, no longer a prisoner, if, you have never, if you've never been able to believe what has been written and what has been spoken, may I encourage you today to put your trust in Jesus Christ. You don't have to know everything. You certainly don't have to be all righteous. It is in our brokenness, in our pain, in the darkness of our cave, in the diet of our rats and mice and frogs that we're able to come to Jesus and the transactions able to take place. The forgiveness of our sins and, the, and our rebellion. We're no longer tied to the sin of our past, but we are able to be redefined for our future and given a name appropriate which separates us from our sin as He pursues you. And so if you want to make that decision today, I want to ask us to close our eyes and just bow our heads so that we can make this decision in the privacy of our own hearts, even though we are part of a collective community. And so would you pray after me, Jesus, I thank you that there is forgiveness of sin in you. Thank you that what was my past can no longer define my future when I put my trust into your hands. And so today I make that decision to believe you, Jesus, to turn from my past, to repent, to turn away from my old ways, my rebellion, my sin, hiding out in the cave in the darkness. And I turn to you. And would you, Spirit of God, come upon me now, guaranteeing my future inheritance, but also helping me walk in righteousness from this day forward, unlocking the great future and destiny, the redefinition of my life going forward. Thank you that we can trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.